DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome back Andy Bailey, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's been on the show several times, and he joins us again right now. Andy, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. want to go big picture with you on the Jazz. Obviously, there has been a lot of winning going on, but the Clippers are full strength, the Jazz are full strength, and the Clippers win. Now, you can win before that, and you can win after that. Do you write that off as just, hey, one game, and you can't win them all, and they have nearly won them all for a couple months now? Or do you look at it and think, they are way better than 25 teams in this league, and they're hammering them, but at the top of the league, there's some problems for the Jazz. What do you think? Well, um, maybe I come down somewhere in the middle on that. I, I think that you could pick just about any team in the league and say they're going to have problems with the top tier. I think you could probably say that about the Clippers, uh, the Lakers, the the Nets. Um, the fact that I, you know, I think Utah is in that tier now. I, I think they can give the Clippers a run for their money in a seven game series. I think they can give the Lakers a run for their money in a seven game series. Uh, they don't, they don't have the top end, you know, super duper star talent. Like the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George and the Lakers have AD and LeBron. Um, but Utah, I think, may be the deepest team um, of that you know top tier, or at least the team that works the best together. Maybe not the deepest in terms of talent, but all the pieces just fit so well with Utah. Everybody knows their role so well. Um, they've been drawing a lot of comparisons to teams like the 04 Pistons and the 2014 Spurs. Um, this morning, I kind of thought maybe they're a little bit like that Orlando Magic team that made it to the finals with Dwight Howard surrounded by a bunch of shooters. Um, I just I think they're built so well, and, and I would probably pick the Lakers or the Clippers uh, in a seven-game series, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz beat them. They lost that game to the Clippers, like you said, when both teams were full strength. Um, but, I, you know, it was on the road. Not that that's as big of a deal this season with no fans, but it's, it's still something. They shot the ball a little bit worse than they typically do. I, I think they could have come away with that from that game with a win. How do you think three-point shooting plays out in the postseason? I think it's going to be about as prevalent as it is in the regular season. I know everybody says the game slows down and you've got to be able to do different things, and I think that's probably true. But I think the game has trended so much towards three-pointers in just the last two or three years um, that it's, it's going to be a huge part of every game in the postseason, too. The three-point attempt rate just continues to skyrocket. I mean, how, how many did the Jazz take last night? Close to 60, something like that. Um, and I really don't think there's going to be as big of an adjustment in the postseason uh, as there has been in years past. It is just so much a part of today's uh, NBA basketball that I, I don't think there's going to be a, a major adjustment in the postseason. I feel like when the Jazz play, if a team isn't really physically gifted, they can break them down. If the team isn't really mentally disciplined, they can break them down. But can a physically gifted team that's got a lot of, and the Clippers are a good example of this, a lot of guys who can defend the perimeter, they're athletic, they're long, they got some size, all that stuff, and they really stick to the game plan and execute it. Can they take away Gobert's dunks, and can they take away the three-point shot and force the Jazz to shoot, you know, Conley and Mitchell to shoot a bunch of floaters and 10- and 12-foot pull-ups. 
because it seems like that's kind of the, the best-case scenario for defending the Jazz, but can someone really do that consistently? Yeah, I think you mentioned a team that can do that uh, in the Clippers. I, I think the Lakers at full strength certainly have some, some gifted uh, defenders that will make things difficult for them. I, I think the question is, can they do it four out of seven games? Um the way the Jazz are built with so many good shooters and so many good volume shooters. Um, and then, you know, it may happen. We saw this with the Rockets a few years ago when they went one for 27 or whatever it was um, in the postseason. You, you can have games like that when you're, you know, heavily reliant on the three. But it's hard for me to imagine with how well the Jazz have shot for the first 30 games of the season or however many it's been, it, for them to just go ice cold for four out of seven games. Um, now, can can a team like the Clippers or Lakers hold them to you know just a little bit below the level that they've been at? Um, you know, I think that's certainly possible. And then the other problem, of course, is going to be defending those guys. Um, I, I think that's where the Jazz might actually. And, and you know, they've got a great defense this season. I think last I checked, they were tied for first. I actually haven't checked it this morning. Um, but in the postseason, when you've got a smaller backcourt like. Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson, when he's in there, can can you defend some of these teams with superstars on the perimeter? I think that's going to be difficult. Um, so, again, I, I would likely pick the Clippers or the Lakers if it, if it came down to it and these teams meet in the postseason. But I think the, the Jazz absolutely have a, a puncher's chance. Um, <laughs> just popped into my head, but I watched that UFC fight on Saturday night with um, – Lewis, Derek Lewis, and, and he has that huge uppercut that can end a fight at any minute, and I think the Jazz kind of have that with their three-point shooting. I mean, if they get hot for five or six minutes, they run away from teams this season. They did it last night against the Hornets. They've done it a bunch of times. They can kind of play even with teams for two and a half, three quarters, and then they go on a stretch where they just light the nets up for four or five minutes, and all of a sudden the game's over. And I, I think they have knockout power uh, this season that they haven't had before. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. The big thing is that the answer or the question that needs to be answered is can they do it in the postseason when there's more pressure, more defensive intensity, blah, blah, blah. And and I think that's a valid question because this is somewhat of a new group. You know, I realize they're they're in their second year, but really as far as operating uh, to capacity, this is just their first year because Conley had that – time to adjust and they brought favors back and all that stuff but it's not like okay that might be a legitimate question but it's not like the other teams and we look at the lakers and clippers at the top of the list it's not like they don't have questions either and i'll go and i'll go with you for the clippers because to me you know they've made a fair amount of changes too plus how much do you buy in the repeated failures of paul george it's not like he's been mr clutch in the postseason himself yeah, I mean, if we're going to bring up, and, and I agree with you, I think it is valid for, for people to wonder what Utah will do in the playoffs. Um, you know, we've seen them have big hot streaks in the, the regular season before. They had one last season. Um, so it's it's valid, but you're absolutely right that there are questions about all these teams. I, I think there's as much parity in the NBA right now as we've had in quite a while. Um, there are four, five, six teams. You could probably make a decent argument for picking to win it all. Um, and like you said, the Clippers, <laughs> Paul George has had some problems despite dubbing himself playoff P. I mean, Jazz fans, I'm sure, remember pretty clearly when Joe Ingles shut him down for a series. Um, 
So there are there are definitely questions there. I think Kawhi Leonard's durability, even though he's been you know healthy this season, um, you never know when he has you know some health issue pop up. I think there are questions for all these teams that there's health with Anthony Davis and the Lakers, and I'm I'm not so sure about their supporting cast after the top two. Um, the, the Nets are are impressing me more and more every time I watch them play, but there's still questions about the defense. Um, Milwaukee's defense, I think, got a lot worse this season. Ben Simmons' shooting is going to be a problem for Philly. So we can, I think we can nitpick any of the teams that are in that top tier. Um, but it is, I, I think it's impressive that the Jazz have, have held this thing together, have built up a bunch of continuity and chemistry, and I, I think they are legitimately part of that top tier now. So when you talk about the top tier, it's easy to put the Nets and the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers in that group in whatever order you want to put them. But the Suns and the standings have crept yeah. within a game of the Lakers and Clippers. And partly it's the Lakers and the Clippers having their issues and their health and all that. But, man, the Suns have been really good, winning eight out of nine. The only losses to the Nets. Do you think they belong, on, regardless of record, do you think they belong in the same tier with those other four teams? So I would probably put them maybe just, just a half notch below that tier right now but they they certainly need to be paid attention to and this is the second season in a row that Chris Paul has come to a team and and really stabilized things Um, you know Phoenix already had plenty of momentum I I think Devin Booker's reputation changed a lot last season and then they had the undefeated bubble Um, you know DeAndre Ayton I think is a little bit underrated and and underappreciated because he came from that same draft class as Luka and Trey Young um, they've got good three and D guys with Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. When they when they plug Chris Paul into what was already moving in the right direction, um, you know they I I think they're you know close to that tier. I'm a little hesitant still just because of the inexperience of some of those other guys, um, but they look fantastic. Like you said, they've just been on fire lately, and something that they've been doing that I just mentioned about the Jazz earlier too is just running away. They just ran away from their matchup last night. Um, and I think that's a mark of a good team. You know, Utah for years and years was a solid team that seemed to be in struggles every single game. This year they're blowing teams out. Um, and I, I think when you reach that level, um, you're starting to be onto something. You think the Lakers have to make a move? Um. I, I don't think they have to. I, if they're fully healthy, I, I still think that's probably the toughest duo in the league. Um, now, <laughs> if we want to compare trios, then we've, we've got the Nets in that mix, and maybe that's a different thing. Or pick any two of those Nets, and maybe you can go head-to-head with the Lakers. But um, LeBron and AD just fit together so well. Um, <laughs> there's still a level that LeBron goes to in the postseason that, that I just – I'm not sure anybody else can get to, which is just pretty ridiculous when you think about how long he's been doing that. Um, and I, I think there's just an element of coasting going on with the Lakers. Um, I still really like their offseason. I think all the guys they added fit pretty well. And Mark Gasol has looked um, slower and older than he did last season for sure, but, but maybe he's saving something in the tank for the playoffs too. Um, I, I think they're going to be obviously – pretty tough if I had to pick a team right now assuming everybody's healthy to make it to the finals from the west I would probably go with the Lakers um, 
you know, I, I, I think their recent struggles have more to do with AD being out and them just kind of coasting in the regular season, to be honest. Andy Bailey joining us. He covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. So LeBron says he doesn't need any more rest. There are plenty of people around the league talking about him needing more rest, and he's basically just blowing them off. So does he know best, or is he not aware of advancing age and he's got a blind spot? Uh, Because we have seen teams where we know they're really good, but they've just looked exhausted in the postseason. And multiple postseason runs and playing a lot of minutes, it seems like that's what will eventually get LeBron Assuming he isn't gonna, you know, be the first person to beat Father Time. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's probably got the best record against Father Time so far, and and we haven't seen him slow down in the playoffs to this point in his career. And I keep thinking there's got to be a point at some time when he'll slow down. Um, but I I guess the answer to the question is I would just default to he knows. I mean, he's people have talked for years and years about how much. Uh, time and effort he put into maintenance of his body and recovery and things like that. Um, and a couple of years ago, he did. And, and I think at one time with the Cavs, too, he did take a little bit of a break. Um, so I <laughs> I think if it gets to a point where he feels like he needs some recovery time, I would guess he'll probably take it. Now, I, I still think the concern is fair and valid, especially, you know, we've, we've heard some rumblings about the second half of the schedule that's about to be released. Um, and, and stuff like five games and seven nights is, is going to be on this schedule. And, and maybe um, with the NBA trying to do everything it can to pack those 72 games in, maybe then it becomes taxing for a guy like LeBron and an older team like the Lakers. And, and you lead into the postseason with a, a, a rigorous schedule like that. Maybe they're at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, and I would say they get a little bit of a, of a reprieve in the first round, but I, who knows? I mean, if they, if they go into the playoffs as the three or four seed um, and have to play <laughs> some other team from the West that's well above 500, um, fatigue could very much be a factor for them. So you say that you like the Lakers if you had to pick right now, or you're going with Brooklyn if you had to pick right now in the other bracket? I think so. Um, but it's just so much offensive firepower at the top. And I think what's different about Brooklyn, um, and I think we could say the same thing about the Warriors a few years ago, we've seen a lot of super teams come together over the years, and it takes a year or two to, to work things out. I mean, that was certainly true of the Heat with LeBron and Dwayne Wade, and um, that they never worked things out with the Lakers when they had Kobe and Nash and Dwight Howard. But I, I think the fact that when James Harden went to the Nets, he was so willing to defer from from basically the moment he got there sort of alleviated all those problems. Um, and I, I feel like I saw a similar thing with Stephen Curry when Kevin Durant went there. Um, James Harden is a guy who was an MVP a few years ago. He's He's been <laughs> told he can literally do whatever he wants in Houston, and he did for four or five years. And for him to go from that to a guy who's really willing to, to be a ball mover first with Brooklyn, I think helps them a lot. Um I'm not ready to count the Sixers out yet. I, I think the leader in the clubhouse right now for um, MVP is Joel Embiid, and I think the fact that they've surrounded him with some great shooters and, and Danny Green and Seth Curry makes them pretty dangerous. But like I mentioned earlier, I mean, teams have figured out a way to play Ben Simmons in the postseason. So they've got questions um, that are maybe a bit more pressing than Brooklyn. So I'd, I'd probably go with the Nets right now. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Uh, is Mike Conley going to be an all-star? 
I would sure love it uh, if he was. I, I think his candidacy has obviously taken a hit in the last couple of weeks, the time off with the injury, and then he hasn't been, you know, at least from my vantage point, quite as impactful since he returned. Um, but he's he's still one of the plus-minus leaders in the league right now, and I, I probably need to check this again. He may still be number one. Um, he doesn't have the gaudy numbers that some other players are putting up in this, you know, offense-heavy era of the NBA, but his leadership is clearly a part of Utah taking off the way that it has. Um, you know, the last time I, I took a deep look at the All-Stars, I actually picked Conley over Donovan Mitchell. Um, if Utah keeps winning the way it does, maybe maybe they're one of those teams that deserves three. Um, we remember just a few years ago when the Hawks got five. I mean, it's a, it's a different deal now because there's obviously a ton of talent in the West, but I, I think Conley has a very strong argument to make the All-Star game. He's an integral part of the best team in the league right now. Um, really the engineer on offense. I know Donovan Mitchell, you know, controls a bunch of possessions and Joe Ingles controls a bunch of possessions, but Conley has very much been a stabilizing force for this team. And, and like you said, it's, it's kind of what they expected they would get last season. This is, this is sort of the realization of that trade happening right now. Andy, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again later this season. Thanks for having me, fellas. Andy Bailey, you can read him at Bleacher Report covering the NBA.